to become who we want to be as individuals. And at the end of the day, that's going to help us be a successful offense. And the man, one-on-one coverage because the safety rolls to Jefferson's side. Jordan Love hit me up the night of the draft, you know, just congratulating me, letting me know it was time to work. Um, A.J. Dillon was open arms. Von Rock caught a ball with his thighs. We didn't nah, talk about that. It was more of with his ass. If he throws a good ball, this is a running, catching touchdown untied. Right. Like, if KP does, like, these flips after every win, and I'm, like, just waiting for him to do his flip. You know that we still love each other? That's what football brings us. Across the safety's face. You can tune in anywhere that you guys follow us on social media. Welcome to the Practice Squad Podcast. My name is John. I'm joined by my co-host, Mark. And this is the NFC North episode. I'm rocking the CJ Gardner Johnson jersey, you know, nice and fresh. Mark's got the Lions pajamas on. No dip. Let's go. All right. No so clearly, you know who we're pulling for in this division, but we will do our best to be unbiased. I think, uh, you know, we're going to give each team kind of, you know, a, a fair shake at it because I think everybody's kind of just assuming this is the Lions division. And if you're a Lions fan, you know that you can't assume any such thing ever, no matter how good we are. It doesn't matter if we have Casey's entire roster on our team. It's not going to work out that way, right? So, um, look, there's some threats, right? The Bears have a, have a refurbished uh, receiving core. Uh, the Vikings are running a relatively stable ship and address their main problem, which was uh, defense. And there's a lot of question marks around Green Bay, but, you know, it's it's not, like, all hopeless either. So, Anyways, we have another uh, NFC uh, North connoisseur to bring on as well. Our buddy, previous guest, friend of the show, Joseph Engross, who's currently under t- Tornado Watch. So uh, how's the weather over there, buddy? What's up, boys? Uh, roof's still on. So okay. we're back so far. So, uh, yeah, you hearing, like, sirens and stuff like that yet? Or, or do they just, like, send that, like, on your phone, like an Amber Alert nowadays? Uh, both. Sirens are on, and we got an Amber Alert probably, like, 10 minutes ago so okay cool coming yeah, in I, uh, I remember uh i lived in midland michigan for a while um and um it like flash flooded like two years ago and like same thing it's like there weren't even sirens it's just like everything went to your iphone it's like okay yeah. it's just, it kind of makes it more eerie at the end of the day yeah. um oh also i finished my austin texas move right we i'm new, coming new, at new you backdrop if you if you haven't noticed already for those watching yeah. I, I need to fix the lighting because all the windows are here so i don't have like the the natural light kind of like hitting my face so i'm i already bought the shit on amazon it just hasn't come in yet uh so bear with me everybody i will say uh just for anybody that's thinking about it um moving across the country in a u-haul sucks a lot like it's it's Can't not imagine fun. that's very fun no, I, I got like no joke, like 10 hours of sleep over three days. Um, I walked 41,000 steps on Friday lifting shit and uh, drove damn near 24 hours straight to follow that up. So not fun, but we're all settled in. Everything's unpacked. We're good to go. All right. Are we ready to hop into some film, start talking about each team here? I think we're ready. Or do you want to start with some, you want to end with... Uh our side stuff and get into the film first. I feel like we would save it for the end. Yeah, we'll, we'll save. I mean, you know, there's, there's not a ton of crazy topics that we need to hit, but we got, we got hard knocks. We got, um, Fitzgerald and yeah, Northwestern's coach and, you know, some, some banter around the lines too. So I, I think we'll, we'll just save it towards the end. Cool. Cool. Yes, sir. All right. So starting off here, we got the bears and it's only right. Think- we start with Chicago as they're in tornado alert. Yeah, of course. Um, Chicago resident, yet Detroit Lions fan joining us. Now, here's, I think, Mark and I kind of had the same take on this. 
Justin Fields is often, I think, like it's often said that he's a bad quarterback. Uh, and you can kind of look at his completion percentage in reference to him being a bad quarterback. I think neither Mark nor I agree with that take. I think he's got a good eye for the game. He obviously is incredibly mobile, which makes any quarterback, you know, uh, an additional threat when they can use their legs. And the reason why his completion percentage sucked, which if I remember correctly, it was 56% last season, is because he was throwing to nobody. He had nobody to throw to, period. Yeah, it's not um, the only offensive reason. Line. Yeah, it's not the only reason, but he didn't have much help. And uh, he's one of those he's one of those young players that fl- has flashed signs of being amazing. And then there's been some really bad, right? But with any young quarterback, you're going to see a little bit of that. So I think that most people in Chicago think that this is a big year for him to turn it around. And I think most people that have been watching his film and kind of seeing how he's carried himself in the offseason would say the same thing. And they clearly have less excuses now, you know, given the fact they invested in their O-line. Um, invested, invested in their defense. In their, in their defense. And they got, yeah, some new receivers that are probably going to help them out a lot. Um Joe, what's the talk of the town in, in Chicago? It is pretty, you know, big optimism towards fields or is it kind there of go both ways? Um, yeah, a lot of people that I talk to and like stuff you see around fields, MVP fields is great. Like Mark was saying earlier, he just had nothing around him. But I mean, where I stand on fields, I think fields is a good player. I do think he will improve this year with better pieces around him. But at the same time, I think if you win three games as an NFL quarterback, I don't know if he's ever going to become that guy. A quarter, He's a quarterback that you win with, not because of. He's almost in the Jared Goff category, in my opinion, where Jared Goff is a quarterback that you win with, but you don't win because of. And I think that was proven last year when you win three games, and he plays in every single one of those, except I believe week 18 he sat out, and they ended up with the number one pick. Yeah. And yeah, they, that's, that's they, something they, you can't and they forget. They boozled that number one pick. They used that really yeah. well. They yeah, they, they did. Um, but but they bet people, on Jay Field. They bet on Fields instead they of going for Young or Stroud or one of these younger guys. And which I think, I'm in the field of, like I was saying, if you win three games, which I'm sure their GM did, but I'm in the army of they should have definitely looked at Bryce Young. I think they did, but because you could, you could have at this point shipped Fields for decent haul i don't think it would have been the same haul as you got for moving back to number nine but you also are restarting over and you had bryce young you'd get a haul for fields and you go from there right and i think people like forget that they did have the number one pick overall because of the fact that carolina traded for it so this team has a lot of work to do i will say though that like to me it's like ryan poles is taking a pretty similar approach to Brad Holmes as far as how he's building his team. And I think he's investing in their strengths and it seems like he's drafted some, some decent players so far. So I'm curious to see how it pans out. Uh, Mark, you're obviously the film guy. What do you got for us to start here? We got a lot of film today and it's a lot, it's Justin Fields heavy to start off. So this is, this is going to be slowed down. So I'll kind of just talk through it casually here, but I just, I mean, if you just keep your eyes on Justin Fields and what he's looking at and you can see that, like we did with Deshaun Watson in last week's episode, the flashes of greatness are there, right? And you'll see it on here. Um, he goes through his progressions, and when he does, he throws an accurate football. And like John said, what he's able to do with his legs, which you'll see in a few clips uh, in just a second, 
it opens up the passing game because now you have play action with not only your quarterback's threat to run, but your running game with your running back as well. Um, what Chicago will, I anticipate them doing more of this year is as you can see, they're rolling out fields here, getting them outside of the pocket usually makes it an easier read. Mooney's one of the more underrated receivers, by the way, in football. And I think now that he won't have to carry that load of just being the sole guy to throw to, they have DJ Moore now as well. He'll excel as like that number two receiver. But watch how he moves here. In the, now, I think a big thing, yeah, of course. I think big here with this one, right, is as you see the maturity of sliding in the pocket instead of just scrambling, there's a little bit of pressure. And again, you want to talk about completion percentage, John? This is a perfectly thrown back shoulder ball that just for no reason at all is dropped. Yeah, let me back that up a little bit so that everybody Yeah, so he slides that. there, right? Yep. Pressure's coming right there, and he doesn't feel the pressure at all. He just throws a perfectly thrown back shoulder. There's, there's no way that safety can get to that ball. He's actually protecting the receiver there by throwing it outside so he won't get hit, and the guy just doesn't make the play. You're going to see Darnell Mooney and what he's able to do. He's one of the more explosive receivers in the division. He just hasn't had much chance to show what he can do. And then you can see the big catchability. Watch this catch and watch this placement of the ball. Right, Gives this guy a chance. Defender has his back to the quarterback. Throw it a little short. You get a PI, worst case scenario. One hand, maybe one of the best catches of the season, but it just goes un, unnoticed because it right. was kind of a meaningless moment. One-handed. I mean, I think Mooney's got to be their number two receiver. He's he's gonna he might be their number one over DJ Moore just depending on how they uh, yeah. use them both. You know, it's more of like a one A one B. But Mooney again, he was the only dude that they could yeah. throw the ball to last year. They had four tight ends were like their next top targets. I mean, right. Claypool was a no show. They dumped off a ton of passes to Montgomery, and you know, but this is so this is the threat. If you want to pause this, John, for a second, the running game. I know this is David, David Montgomery, but it doesn't matter who John. We could have handed the ball here to you or Svengros and scored. Because of the threat of Justin Fields pulling this football, okay? Look at how big this hole is, and watch how all three backside defenders on the left here freeze. So if you go back one more time. They all just bite on it. They right? freeze thinking that because Fields has the threat of pulling it. So that's why it's, especially down in the red zone, that's why it's so essential your quarterback can move and run because you have to honor him as a run threat, which makes your running back's opportunity of scoring way better. So it doesn't right. matter who they have in the backfield. Losing Montgomery is big. And we'll show film of why that's big, but whoever they have back there is going to have a, a big season because of Fields' threat to to pull it and go. So here, a little play action, right, which they'll do a ton of. You could see him go through the progression here. On time, tough throw, long throw, puts it where it needs to be, right. And this is all from one game, but you can see it all kind of coming together for him. And when they do protect him, when he has time. When they utilize play action correctly, he's look at look looks there on the progression, doesn't like yep. it. Scans to his number two option. You'll see his eyes move, doesn't like it. Comes all the way to the other side of the field and makes this throw on time. Watch, watch this. The second he looks to the other side of the field, no hesitation, rips it. No hesitation. Trust what he sees, makes it happen, throws an accurate football here for a first down. That's the kind of stuff he can do. Yeah. And again, it's like you mentioned, like maturity of like, a lot of mobile quarterbacks, I think, that are in similar positions as Fields, you know, they will over-rely on their legs. They won't have the patience to sit in the pocket, go through that progression, and, and air something out. And that's exactly what he did there, which I think is very promising because, you know, you take a look at guys like, you know, Hertz or 
or whatever, their ability to do that only complements their ability to use their legs. It doesn't take away from it. Exactly. Right? If you if you go back to the beginning of this uh, one, this plug, yeah. John, you'll see that they start with Mooney actually in the backfield. So if you go even a little bit further yeah, back, sorry. right here, yeah. right? So he's in the backfield. Now, what why they do this is because they're hoping to get a matchup with like a linebacker or someone on him. You can see the Vikings are confused as hell, right? We talked about their defensive issues last year. It was a shit show, especially yeah. in the passing game. No, but that's really they bad. motion this. The guy's late getting over there. They don't know who what they're going to do. Are they switching this? Are they locking it? And you can see Mooney just runs like a quick little in and out route. And the, the corner doesn't know what the hell to do. He's hesitating. He doesn't know if he's taking the tight end. So Mooney ends up wide open. This is just a great play design. I anticipate them doing a lot of this next year with DJ Moore, with Mooney. Um, and it just makes it so easy on the, on the quarterback because pre-snap, he knows where he's going with the football because of this motion. Just out of curiosity, um, how is a defense supposed to treat that if they realize that like a number one essentially receivers lined up at running back? So Obviously, it's usually a, a linebacker keying that. How right. do they communicate to be like, hey, so, that's not a running back standing next to the field? Yeah, that's why teams do it. Um, They toy with the personnel. If you're a Lions fan, anticipate them using Gibbs in that way. We've seen them use Amon Ra in that way before. We've seen the Chiefs do it with Tyreek Hill. We've seen the Vikings do it with Justin Jefferson. Uh, Cooper Cup's lined up in the backfield with the Rams. You put your best guy in the backfield, and basically what happens, John, is depending on what coverage is called, it's hard to change the entire coverage across the field, right? I mean, you might be able to say on one half of the field, hey, we're going to lock it here or switch it. But when something like that happens, you basically have to change your entire defensive call in five seconds, which is really hard. Or a linebacker is going to get matched up on someone that they have no business trying to guard. Right. So that's why teams do it. It's just, yeah, they're trying to create those matchups that are favorable for the offense and for their best player. You can see here, he just, the movement in the pocket, right? He's not, he doesn't freak out. He, He casually rolls out. He's buying himself time. And this, this is a well-thrown ball on the run. Only where his guy can get it. That's Give impressive. him a chance. That's you know right. what I mean? Give him a chance. Right. Now it was broken up, but those are the kinds of plays, right, that show up on the stat line as an incompletion that make you think, oh, 56% is really, really bad. Right. Those you are the kind of plays that, that. That's a 50-50 ball that should be caught, you know, probably a little more than half the time. Right. And then obviously we've seen what he can do with his legs. We'll see a couple <laughs> more clips. He's – He's exciting when he gets yeah. in space. Let's the next couple of clips these. are obviously Lions fans will will be pained to see this one. Um, but again, you 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 take away the running back's run game, he'll pull it and he'll make Holy you pay. Now crap. there's not many quarterbacks that can pull it and score on this. You know, Mahomes could pull this, Watson could pull this, Allen, Herbert, and they'll get you 10-15. But there's only maybe two guys in the league that can do this, and it's Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields. I don't even think Jalen Hurts would have ran. the missed tackle there? Let's add Anthony Richardson to that list. Oh, shut up, Hell Joe. No. We might bring Joe back on with 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 Tyler Winicky for that uh, episode when we do the that division. Oh, God, get 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 all the Colts on. denialists. Oh yeah, my that God, was, that sounds great. Actually, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that idea. This this next this next clip of Fields is is even better. If you go back to the beginning of this one, yeah. Uh, so you could show this camera angle first, and then the next camera angle is unbelievable. We'll just if you're watching this, we'll just let you watch this, and I'll kind of break it down with the next angle of it. Um, the just the instinct of pump fake there and freeze that linebacker and then to be able to score after it again, you're looking at less than four guys in the NFL that can do this at the quarterback. And again, I mean, you have a receiving core to complement that threat. 
he was doing this. He was going, yeah, he was doing. I might have lost. Oh, wait. Yeah, I might have lost the, the other angle mark. That's fine. Yeah, but I mean, the pump fake is is what made that play happen, right? And it's just, it, I don't know what you do as a linebacker because you have to respect the pump fake because he hadn't crossed line of scrimmage yet. Right. Um, but and not then, only did they not only did they do better with offensive line receivers and then Justin Fields progression and, and we think that he'll be better. They got better at the linebacker position in a big way, getting two really solid guys that were really good for their teams the last couple of years. Um, Edmonds being one of them in, in this clip, I remember seeing this live and it was just like it's one of those wow hit moments that you don't see too often in the NFL anymore without a penalty flag being thrown. But I to mean, be able to move like this. Oh, man. I mean, and the other what angle does it even better justice of how he like he sees the threat, sees the ball, and gets there right when the ball gets just there. Just rocked his ass. And just absolutely sends that guy to a different planet. And like I said, you know, during free agency, right, they definitely paid a lot for these two linebackers. But it has been a Bears staple for a very, very, very long time that they have just really good, really physical linebackers. That was always just kind of a part of the team's brand. I mean, you know, whatever this account is. Very athletic linebackers, too. Having a menace at linebacker. Very athletic linebackers. And there's a reason, right? They invested in it. This is TJ Edwards. Okay, there's a reason I selected this clip. It's going against the Packers, who they'll see twice a year in Chicago. And TJ Edwards putting one of the harder guys in the division to tackle um aj dylan down guys got legs like tree trunks right but this is this is pretty hard to do to a guy that big absolutely stalemate him for no gain crazy Um, part with that too is that edwards doesn't even get that low in this particular hit and he's still able to stop dylan and john if you go if you go slow-mo on this watch how quickly he recognizes the run and like this offensive lineman is supposed to get over top of edwards no chance yeah, he no sees chance. what's happening. He recognizes it so quick, shoots the gap. Yeah, see, I'm a Bears fan, though, I'm, I'm pleased with two good linebackers, but the fact that they didn't even try to address the defensive line is crazy to me. Yeah, it's – and honestly, like, I have – not that the Lions defensive line really needs addressing, but I felt a similar way about the Lions drafting, right, where it's like, man, you're going to – I think Jack Campbell is a dog, but I also think that there was a lot of good defensive line talent on that board. And it was interesting to see them go for that over potentially, you know, getting another guy on the other side of Hutchinson because he was one of the most double teamed, you know, defensive linemen in the league last year. So yeah, I'll put it and I'll say this too, John, the difference between TJ Edwards and Edmonds, which the bears invested in and drafting Jack Campbell, they're very different players. And I, it's going to be interesting to see if Jack Campbell can compare to them. I know that he tested pretty well in all his pre-draft stuff, but when you watch film with Jack Campbell, he doesn't move like those dudes. He just no. doesn't. He just doesn't. So it's going to be a test to see. He'll stop runs right at him, but well, when you get some outside run plays and and you get passing game coming at him, I just I don't know. I have my words. He doesn't. He does not miss tackles that is one of the you know big highlights of his college career is that he does not miss tackles and the other part of it is that again we're going to be running nickel a lot uh the guys that we got in free agency suggest that we're going to be running nickel a lot aaron glenn as a defensive coordinator suggests we're going to be running nickel a lot um so i'm not super worried about those outside plays because ideally you have a guy that's more of a corner profile that's kind of hitting those um all right so this is 
you know, props to Bears last year, but this is a Lions play that we're looking at now, which is this is a this is one of the worries, right? This is a kind of a double whammy. This is a big loss for Chicago uh, to lose a guy who I think is an underrated running back in the league. Um, one of the hardest runners in the league can catch the ball in the backfield, can block. Uh, Highest tackles. broken tackle rate in the league. He's 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 awesome in every way for the running back position, and they lost him. And not only did they lose him, they lost him to an division rival. So this is just kind of showing the good of what he is and why Chicago is going to miss it. But it's showing a little bit of a transition into what Detroit's getting. Um, just an unbelievable jump that cut is there. nuts there. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the vision, right, to see it. And and to see that that safety is going to fly over the top of it, uh, this is one of the better runs of the season last year. Breaks one tackle, breaks a tackle from one of the best corners in football, and just lowers his look. I mean, he's just tough to tackle. Like he's it's he he's going to get you the hard yards. He's going to he's but he also has that breakaway playability. Like it's not like he's a slow power back. He can do it all. Yeah, and he's more effective in the passing game than I think people give him credit for. He's he's objectively more effective in it than than Jamal is or was if we're you know talking about his time with the Lions. So. He's a great counter to any kind of speed back that any team has, and the Bears did a good job. We're going to get into that. So. Yeah, the Bears did use their duo really well last year, and I, I do anticipate that the Detroit does a great job with him and Gibbs. Yeah, and he'll be good. I know a lot of people, or not a lot of people, some people were – annoyed that we paid a running back with our current running back room which was before the draft but when you think about it we're also paying him six million dollars a year and it's a three million dollar contract or three-year contract this isn't five year for 80 or 100 where we're paying where saquon's gonna want 15 to 20 we're paying him you're getting three years exactly you're getting a back that i think in terms of what detroit needs is going to get you almost as much as what a saquon saquon barkley gives new york like he's going to give us everything that we need and we're paying him much less than any of those guys are going to ask and and like john and i had an episode uh, a few weeks back about the running back position and just the value decrease there there's just not a need for it you know like you can't pay a running back that much in today's nfl i mean look at ezekiel elliott um it, it just doesn't work out. The, the longevity of their careers aren't there, and there's just not many guys worth it, really. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. So this shows I, a little bit of, like, the passing game, man. This is a screen game. Let me back this up real quick. You know, and like, like Detroit uh, will absolutely do stuff like this. And one thing, too, to, to say, like, Chicago's offensive line is not Detroit's offensive line, and he still was a very productive running back with them. I am – so stoked to see what they can accomplish little fantasy football preview and we do have fantasy football episodes coming soon uh for those listening but in um i david montgomery might be a top three running back in fantasy football this year and I, I know mean, people will be like Gibbs jamal williams i mean i'm telling you right now thing. david montgomery is gonna get the carries what gets fantasy get points touchdowns touchdowns and completions and he'll get yep. plenty of both yep and detroit's gonna run the shit out of the ball yes that's what they do Look at Fields there kind of dodging that sack and another yeah. little Fields nod. But, dude, like the cuts, like he's big and he makes people look stupid in open field, but he'll run you over. I mean, I'm so excited about this. And, Joe, like you said, like I think, you know, the Lions fan base didn't react to this super kindly. And, and now it's just like, to me, it's like they made such intentional moves at that position where it's like this is our strength. This is clearly our strength. Let's get guys that we know for sure can do the things that we want them to do. You know, it was more so like them working with, you know, 
what they had, right? I mean, Swift was not drafted by Brad Holmes. Um, and now it's like, okay, they have two guys that they feel really confident about. Uh, this is another Montgomery play. This is maybe one of the best runs of the season last year. John, you're going to want to have this in slow-mo and yep. might have a couple watches on this. They showed it a second ago, but we didn't really get to break it down. Um, breaks the tackle there. Breaks and then this cut is there, absolutely yeah. sick. Absolutely sick. And then he wasn't done, right? Fights for that extra, you know, eight to ten yards every single time. I mean, that, that cut. I'm just imagining disgusting. this kind of play happening six, eight, ten yards downfield rather than at the line of scrimmage. I mean, yeah, the reality is this first this first hurdle right here, that would never have to happen with Detroit's running game yep. if it's yeah. anything like it was last year. Yep. And I, and I honestly see, think our offensive line got better. So I think it will. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get and into they'll that. Just, I think and they'll play, be more right? mature and they'll be, you know, the chemistry will be better because pretty much everyone's back. Oh, we got, um, we got Gibbs first. And I think, yeah, you know, yeah. dual solidifies himself best uh, yeah. right this year. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, I know Decker's getting still, up there in age, but I think he's still got a few years left and he's, he was an absolute stud too. So yeah. I mean, probably one of the best tackle duos in the league, if we're being honest. If um, they, hey, listen, if Montgomery is, is thunder and lightning, then Jameer Gibbs is tornado. No pun. Just fine gross in Chicago. I just got an Amber alert about two minutes ago. If you saw my screen go black. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, let's just hope that you make it through this episode alive and, you know, that we don't have a casualty on pod. That'd be pretty rough. Oh, no. There we go. Okay. Why is this glitching up on me, though? Yeah. I mean, this draft pick was a shocker, and that's uh, that's no doubt about it. But I mean, like you said, Mark, this is this is a tornado. And I was actually listening to Brad Holmes today. He uh, went on Peter Schrager's podcast and just listened to that just as well. hear him hammering down. Like we drafted a football player, we didn't draft a running back. Yeah, that's what you have to put it as. I mean. He will do everything that we ask of him on the offense. I think, especially with JMO out the first six weeks, I think he's going to line up in the slot, like outside sometimes. I, I couldn't agree more. He's, and he's, yeah, he's going to be used like a Debo. I really do think yeah. that would be his. Or an his Alvin Kamara. Right. And, uh, and, you know, to think about too, just like the fact that Gibbs and Jamison Williams, once he's back, are both sub 4 4 speed. Proven to be really solid players. I mean, I know that we only saw flashes of JMO last year, but I think just based off of the flashes we did see, I, I don't think it's likely that, you know, he doesn't have any production this year or anything like that. Um, so it's it's been a long wait to kind of see JMO on the field, but I think him and Gibbs together and then having Amon Ra, Montgomery, the offensive line that we have, it's going to be pretty disgusting. Um, and then, yeah, you know, and we got... You, and and what you have to do, guys, is as you watch these clips, um, so we just showed you what Gibbs can do, right? His ability to hit a hole, turn it on. He's a home run hitter, can catch the ball in the backfield, but he'll gash you too, right? Um, you got to imagine now these clips that will show you the Lions run game. And the beauty of the Lions run game is they have so many different ways to run the ball. It's not just a couple plays that they do a really good job on. They have so many different looks out of so many different formations and so many different personnels. Like, they're just really hard to prepare for. And they get you – and I'll tell you, Ben Johnson does probably the best job of anyone besides maybe Shanahan in the league of getting his team in a, in a good running-the-ball situation. You'll see you're on this first play. you got to pretend it's Montgomery and Gibbs carrying carrying the ball too. And Swift did a fine job here. But 
it's different with those two guys. They motion over. Uh, if you go back to the beginning of it, John. Yep. They motion over. Now, what they're doing when they motion over, they just want to see if Washington's going to adjust. And if you notice, the guy just to the right of the center, Washington's guy, does not slide over at all. And so the Lions on film knew that this would happen and did this because now they have numbers to that play side. So they run that play side. They get the angle they want. They get a great block. It's a good cut from Swift. And they just absolutely manhandled Washington. They they averaged eight yards a carry in this game. That's nice. Yeah, while we're, uh, while we're on the topic of Washington, I think the one thing at this point that would kind of solidify the offseason and solidify the Lion fan base would be Chase to yeah and honestly like i wouldn't be against it i think he'd be worth you know trading maybe a second for and then signing him to a deal he likes for you know two three years or whatever i've been it's seeing tough. i've been seeing a second in julian aquara so the worst of the aquara brothers and a second round pick for a guy who has upside as a top five d end in all of football I mean, his rookie year when he won rookie of the Next year. Next to he, Hutch. Yeah. Yeah. His rookie of the year, he was third best DN in all of football as a rookie. Right. So if you can keep this guy healthy, which with our rotation, he shouldn't need to be playing 50 snaps a game. Um, he would definitely be worth a second rounder, in my opinion. And I think that, like I said, that's the one thing that would kind of solidify this offseason and say, yeah, we're chips on the table. We're all in on winning right now. We're yeah, waiting for that all-in move. We haven't seen the all-in move yet from Detroit. And, and you know, I, the thing that's bothering me never, about honestly. it, yeah, the thing that's bothering me about it is that we're sitting on like $18, $19 million of cap space. Why not take a swing on a guy, right? I, I mean, another one too, you know, and he's probably going to be a little bit harder to afford, but, you know, Quinn and Williams with the Jets right now is unhappy about his contract situation. And I mean, you get an interior pass rush to compliment Hodger Houston, like that's another huge option. So I think biggest thing is just, you know, making sure that Aiden Hutchinson isn't getting the the double team, you know, the vast majority of the plays like he was last season. Because speaking um, of double team, John, on this clip, if you just rewind it just a little bit, watch yeah. numbers, watch, watch 68 and this cutoff block, watch him move from the, uh, from the beginning of the play and yeah. watch how he moves his feet and changes his body angle to make that's sure, nuts. look how he, that's just totally that's, look at off. that. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, him and 71 wall off that side and allow this cutback. So good. Gibbs Gibbs scores on that play, by the way. Just FYI. I agree. Um, this one's uh Penne, right? Yeah, this well, this is just more of their running scheme. Um oh, it just shows you this this was one of their top run plays. It's this duo wrap. You see the motion kind of comes around. So the motion here is just kind of a, a, a kick out block. Again, they're going to use this a lot. You see how the Bills adjust to it, and then they pull away from where the motion from the came. Kickout block, yeah. It, it's just some. It's just chess, man. I mean, like the Washington clip, the Commanders didn't adjust to the motion, so we ran same side. In this game, if you pause it, watch how the Bills slide. Everybody they adjust to the motion, motion, and they go and we go away side. from it. It's yeah. but it's film study, and it's Ben Johnson being a genius, and it's executing the game plan. And that's, I mean, the key to the running game is just being lined up better than the defense and outsmarting them. A lot of the time, it doesn't require the better players to do that. Ben Johnson was great all year last year. It doesn't hurt that we have Penny Sewell and some of these guys, and and we had a good running back crew last year. 
Uh, our tight ends are willing to block. It's a Dan Campbell thing. He was a blocking tight end. He's sure as hell not going to bring in guys that don't want to block. Um, so it, it works. And you're going to see, I mean, again, look at, watch what they're going to do here. They study the film against Chicago. What do they do to this motion? What do they do to this formation? How do they line up against it? And Ben Johnson dials up so many different ways of running the ball and everything looks different. Pre-snap, it's going to look like it's a play you've seen before on film, and then it is. So ridiculous. I think uh, – Penny Sewell, like Joe mentioned. Go ahead, Joe. Well, I was going to say Laporta will even open up more of that running game. Um, he'll help more in, in play action, which I think we're just going to continue to hammer away as that's a big thing of our offense. And Laporta, I mean, I think he's going to be a stud. I mean, he was – Yeah, left- he's a stud. Um, has a career receiving yards at Iowa. Like he's going to be a good yeah, player. He's he's a stud receiver. There have been questions about his ability to block, but if anyone's going to get a tight end to block, it's Dan Campbell. That's the one thing I know he can coach. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. he's going to get him ready to go. And not to mention, we have other tight ends that are willing to block, and Laporta could be more of a. Rec- you don't see Kelsey block a ton, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, Wright and Mitchell were. Great blocking, great blockers. Yeah, and they were average receiving tight ends, but they were wide open because of play design. You now add Laporta to that mix. A lot of those, you know, third and four completions that ended up being a ten yard gain will be twenty plus yard gains because Laporta has after the catch ability. He's much, he's much more like a receiver than he is a true tight end. And if he's plays to what he should be, like I said, he should be keyed on almost every play on defense if he's a stud. And at that point, it'll open up the run game more. Right. And I think, you know, if you guys remember, you know, I think Ben Johnson was trying to make a statement after the Hawkinson trade because he gets traded away and everybody's MFing the Lions, you know, move. I, I think there's a lot of people that weren't happy about that. And then in the following two games, there were like four or five tight end touchdowns. None of them caught by the same tight end. Right. Yeah. And I think like that's just a, a troll move from from Johnson where he's like, hey, yeah, we're, we're not going to miss Hawkinson too much. We got it covered. Don't worry about it. Play design takes care of it. You know, you don't need yep. the best players if you have a great play design. You just need someone who can do what you're asking them to do. And, you know, it helps when you have a guy like Kelsey and you can trust that he's going to win one on one on one matchups all game long. But if you don't, you got to be better with your play calling. And Detroit made up for that loss of Hawkinson with great play calling. Now, the one thing I will say in passing game stuff before we show Sewell. Big loss, JMO, because you have Amon Ra and Laporta and Montgomery, and these are all underneath guys, and Gibbs. Those are all underneath guys. You need someone that is going to open Take up the underneath off. by threatening you vertically, and the only true guy we have on a roster that can do that, I mean, Khalif Raymond technically can do it. He's fast as shit, but he's not I – mean, He's not a true home one home run, you know, threat. I, I almost feel like they're going to try to use Gibbs in that sense just to make that threat there. Yeah, but I mean, it's going to be. It's just yeah. he's not a wide receiver. He's not, you know, him running. You know, I just don't. Tr- yeah, I don't think that. I mean, they may use him to try to open it up a little bit, but Gibbs running down the field and throwing him deep balls. He's he's never really showed that, right? He's he'll catch it and score on a short catch, but he's never been a true like run a sixty yard route. You know, right. like a true receiver. So yeah, and I, I don't know. Maybe he can do it, but I think like to to plug the the gap that we're currently missing with Jamo for those six games. I would not yeah. be surprised if you get a big they, loss if they put Gibbs out as a as an actual receiver and had him run a vertical route at least a couple times over those six games just Which, to open something up. 
on. I totally agree. Um, and I also think they're going to attempt to plug it, which he's pretty slow at this point in, in his career, but Marvin Jones. I mean, when he was yeah. here, with us, he was our deep ball threat, even though he's only 6'3", but he was our guy. And the real question is, does he have his legs under him still? Right. That yeah. speed is the question for him. I mean, he'll, he'll go up and make a play, but in terms of putting the fear in those safety's eyes and, and having them really need to respect the, the deep ball, Jamo is one of the best in the NFL at doing that. I mean, he's just, he is really that big of a difference maker for us. And there were so many times you, Amon Ra had a huge year last year, greatly in part because of that. Like he was always in favorable matchups because you couldn't commit extra guys to him because of the fear of Jamo running by you in the secondary. And Jamo wasn't even that effective in terms of statistics because he only had a you know a few catches and I think only one touchdown. Right. But there's that fear of, when he's moving, he's moving, and you have to – you can't give up an easy touchdown like yeah. that to him. I, so. I don't think that it was a coincidence that, one, Amon Ra started to pop off a little more, but, two, we started winning more games in the second half of the season once Jamo was back. And and as you said, Mark, yeah. a lot of the time it's not because of the fact he was the one making plays. He was just opening up and, and letting our offense work a little bit easier. He was only on the field every once in a while, but when he was, right. you saw defenses change what they were doing. Right. Yeah, and that's exactly. just, and he hasn't even really done anything yet in the league. He hasn't done that, shit yet. I can't but wait. But you to see, see a couple of clips of him running and it's like, oh shit, we got to be ready for that. If he's, <laughs> right. in, if he's on the field, we got to be ready for that. Yeah. Thank God that he healed up from, from his ACL uh, as well as he did. Cause that speed's definitely still there. Um, all right. Taking a look at Penne. As Joe said, right. Could, could come out this year and by the end of the year be, certified as the the best right tackle in football. Um, I mean, the one thing that I'll say just as an offensive lineman is there are so many times where he is lead blocking, cutting up field stuff that you don't really see a lot of tackles doing, but he is so athletic with his size that he can do that. And there are so many times where he's five, 10 yards upfield on a run and he's still blocking the shit out of somebody. And those blocks end up mattering a lot for the play. And you're going to see, you see I mean, right here, he pulls here. Chips, these first of all, first of all, chips, that guy that crashes down, which I think actually mattered for him. Seals the edge. He has to seal the edge. That's his edge. first. Yep. Yeah. First so job, seal the edge. Does that. Once it's lightning once it's sealed, sealed, kicks the shit threat. out of this guy. <laughs> and then is looking for somebody else too. I mean, he's always I, looking for that next guy to go kick the shit out of. Yeah, no, he is. Uh, he's that guy. He is that guy. <laughs> I don't. I got lost. Oh, is is that him right there? Yeah, just he's. <laughs> good. You know how hard it is to stand out and film as an O lineman, and he does. He just bullies everybody, dude. It's incredible. I'm not saying he is Trent Williams, but he does Trent Williams like things. Yeah, he does. He really does. And the, and the similarities in their footwork. And their and their upper body strength and athleticism are very similar. I mean, that's a really good player comp. Now, Trent Williams, a lot of people would argue is the best player in the NFL right now, just bar none. Period. Best player. Yeah. Like, I mean, you've heard like George Kittle was on a podcast last week and said straight up like he would put him ahead of Patrick Mahomes in terms of just who's the best at football right now at what they do. Trent Williams. Um, now that's obviously debatable, but the fact that Penny Sewell is in that conversation being compared to him. And no one, and I'm no. Me and John are both. Joe just said that, and neither of us think that that's out of out of reach. Is awesome because he's still got such a long career ahead of him. I mean, look at this peel back block. <laughs> Holy shit, man! It's he's just so fun to watch. Slide, 
no threat outside, boom. Just kicks the And then it comes back to the outside and, and yeah. continues to protect. It's just this relentless effort. There's so many O-linemen that would, would have done that one hit and be like, okay, that was good, and then maybe just die off on that play. He was not satisfied. He's working to the next guy constantly. So you got to get his up. hands inside. He's I mean, that's really, him really sealing good. that he's block is the reason why that was a touchdown. So, he's so physically gifted, but he's fundamentally sound. Yeah. Like that is – it's just impressive. I mean, here he blocks down and gets the linebacker, springs a touchdown. It's it's just – it's fun to watch, man. It really is. When you can Not just to mention someone wide receiver. <laughs> Yeah, he does have a he does have a huge conversion to clinch a game against Minnesota. And then the other thing to think about too is obviously, all right, your offensive line's great, your running back core is great, your wide receivers are great, and everybody keeps bringing up the question: is is Goff that guy to get it done? Joe, is and Goff the guy? Goff is the guy that you win with. Is he the guy you win a Super Bowl with? Yeah, you could. You heard, you heard it here first. Yeah. There's a tier of probably four, maybe five, that you win because of. And those are your Mahomes, your Burrows. I don't even know if you're going to put Allen in there. I don't even know if you're going to put Herbert in there. I think after this year, we're going to be putting Trevor Lawrence in that category. And then there's five through 15, maybe five through 20, that you can win with in today's NFL. Look at what the Niners are doing right now. And then, cousins. yeah, and then look at the bottom 10. They're all just at that point tanking for a new quarterback and trying to lose football games. So, yes, to answer your question, yes. Um, and I would even go as far as I would have this offseason, I would have paid him Danny Dimes money, four for 160. Because if he has any sort of a good year, we win the North, we win a playoff game. He's going to be coming into Holmes' office and say, "Yeah, I'll take uh, fifty mil." And I don't. Yeah. And then that's when you get to the point of if you're getting Can fifty, you? you need to be the guy that you win because of, not with. Yeah, I don't. It's it's hard. It's hard to say. Um, he he's inconsistent at times. He had a rocky start to the season, but when things got rolling and he felt more comfortable in this offense. He like you can say too. There's time like that's an interesting way to put it that you that you win with him, right, and not because of him. It's true, but there are times where he does things. It's like that was flashy, like that was special. This throw here in this clip, and one of the better are, throws all season by any quarterback. Um, I want to get my two two cents in before we show this too. Yeah. I think his arm talent is actually incredibly underrated. I think he throws a better deep ball than anybody's willing to give him credit for. And his ability to extend plays also, I think is something that he doesn't get enough credit for. There were multiple times where, you know, obviously he does not have Justin Fields speed, but last season there were times where he had to slide out of the pocket in order to get a pass off. Like we were giving Justin Fields credit for yeah. having the ability to do. And I think the combination of that and the fact that I think he's a very smart, you know, quarterback. And I know like game manager is more of an insult these days, but he really knows how to operate this offense and work with the weapons that he has. And he's incredibly comfortable with that offensive line. So yeah, taking a look at this, this play action rolling to his left turns and throws this. Are you kidding me? That is Again, so hard it, to do. If Pat Mahomes 
makes that throw, everybody's like, okay, it's a Pat Mahomes throw. It, it, nobody's expecting Jared Goff to be the one to do it, but he just airs it out 40 yards here. like Off his back foot, falling backwards. Off his back in foot. The snow, in a snow shit. I was at this game. In a snow shit, like, not a good environment. You know? yeah, but that's exactly why I think he's a quarterback that you can win with. Like, as long as he takes care of the ball, there's no reason that we cannot win the NFC North this year and multiple playoff games the year after there's no re unless he's coming in, throwing pick sixes, fumbling, making way, that route was dirty. He should be fine. I mean, we're, we're, at, we're on pace for the 49ers, um, dog shit quarterback and just crazy good team. And I would argue that golf is better than whatever they have. I completely agree. Yeah. And... I would not call golf dog shit. You know, I think, yeah. I think he did enough last year um, to show that he's not. John, let's pull up that golf those stats real quick. I, I had him somewhere right here. Cool. I think it's right here. So this is yeah. Go ahead, read these read these off. More pass yards than Aaron Rodgers. More pass touchdowns than Tom Brady. Fewer interceptions than Patrick Mahomes. I think this one is absolutely huge. Higher pass to TD interception rate. Uh, ratio holy crap than josh allen and then higher pass rating than justin herbert right i mean and again yes this is compliment to his wide receivers compliment to the offense he's schemed in compliment to his offensive line but he still has got to be the guy to do all this stuff so um he's legit and i genuinely believe that we can win a super bowl with jared goff 100 yeah. so uh, not because of yes yeah. that's the key but the last thing that I'll say while we're looking at this, um, that bottom one, higher pass rate than Justin Herbert. When are we going to realize that Justin Herbert isn't Lord and Savior Jesus? Oh, I mean, this guy, this guy hasn't won anything. And I understand people, Brandon Staley this, Brandon Staley that. He was winning. Justin Herbert was winning by 27 points in a playoff game, and he blew it. Hey, listen. Justin Herbert is elite, son. You're going to see... I think you're going to see a huge step forward of bringing in Kellen Moore for him uh, because he's, he's a you know former quarterback. He understands the position. He has a quarterback-friendly offense. Justin Herbert's been asked to do just some weird stuff in his, or in his short time with the Chargers, just like throwing a lot on like fourth and third and really short. Like just, I don't know, just forcing him to do stuff that most quarterbacks won't. I think you'll see more of a traditional – uh, first down play call, more play action, allow him to show off the big arm, run the ball more with Eckler and set up. He, the reality is he's thrown against like past defenses, right? Everyone knows that the Chargers are going to sling the ball around. Yeah. If they can establish the true running game and stop just hitting check downs to Eckler all game and you put him in like a passing situation like Goff's in, Herbert's going to light it up because that's who can make every throw there ever is. His arm talent is off the charts, but at a certain point in time, the NFL is a results league, and if you don't get results, you're not going to be playing for too long, which I'm so, not saying he's going to have a short career or anything, but he's yeah. not going to be an extremely successful quarterback if he doesn't it, It's well. funny because I agree with both of you. Um, I think Herbert is an incredible generational talent that's going to be here for a while, and I do not blame the Chargers falling short on him. But I also think it's hilarious how you have these brands with certain NFL teams, right? And I think it's really interesting and kind of funny how these brands remain consistent. And the Chargers brand for 15 years was this tall quarterback with a freaking rocket cannon arm 
and a really fun to watch offense that never did shit in the playoffs ever. Right. And that was obviously rivers before him. Um, so, you know, and talking about the bears linebacking and all of those things, like there's a lot of teams that have these consistent brands. And I think the chargers once again, have a really talented quarterback who's a stud with a rocket arm and the offense is going to be fun to watch. And yet they might struggle to do shit in the playoffs year over year, over year again. Right. So I think you're both right. Uh, He's also in the shadow of Mahomes in this division. Right. I'm not sucks. (laughs) Not denying any of that, but. And he, by the way, in terms of any quarterback besides Burrow, I guess that's given Mahomes like the most close games. It's Herbert. Herbert's always in a game against Kansas City. It seems like there's always a shootout at the end of those games. They haven't won Uh, one yet, though, have they? I think they have. They won in Kansas City two years ago. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I think you're right. I think I remember that game. Um, Joe, we appreciate you coming on, uh, dunking on the Bears a little bit, talking about some Lions with us, and uh, we hope that the tornado uh, does not come close to you. Hey, real quick, real quick, too, Joe. uh, Lock it in, Lions win the North? Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah, I'm uh, confident in saying that one. I think it goes Where, goes Lions, Bears, Green Bay, Vikings. Um, that's that's my prediction. Those four. I think the Bears take a step forward, but I don't think it's a huge step. I think they probably win seven or maybe eight. I think Green Bay struggles a lot. I think Minnesota struggles a lot, and I I think the Lions win the North, but I don't see us going out and winning 13 games or anything i i could see 10 games winning this division next year i mean on paper our talent is great i love where we're at our schedule looks right now pretty favorable but at the end of the day they got to prove that they can win a lot of games and win a lot of games quickly you heard it here heard it here and i agree with ticket holder longtime lions fan he was a believer uh, when no one else believed. <laughs> Mr. Joe Svangros. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm going out to LA to see golf beat Herbert this year. So maybe we can get some good content out there. Let's go. That sounds like that's going to be a blast too. It's a tough um, matchup, but yeah, yeah. We'll it'll be a sweet game. I hope you enjoy it, and thanks for again for coming on, Joe. I I, I don't know if we've had any. Oh, besides uh uh. Cavity, I think you're only our, our second or third repeat guest, and the only one that's been the only guest. We've had just groups of a bunch of cooligans on for for mock drafts <laughs> and stuff like that. So we appreciate you coming on, bud. Hey, always, boys. Appreciate you having me. Go Leos. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Go Leos. <laughs> Wait, yeah. I, I I just thought he was gonna say Lions. I heard the L and instinctively said Let's go. But yeah, he's. He's an interesting fellow, that's for sure. But he's what's, a diehard Lions fan. What's Leo's? <laughs> All right, dude. Your guess is good as mine. That kid's got some of the weirdest things. All right, I thought there was an inside joke here. Maybe there I don't is, know. And you're just embarrassed. Maybe there is. Maybe it. I'm an idiot. I don't know. Leo okay. equals Lion. That's what Drew said. I, I don't know where that stems from, but hey, go Leo's. Go Leo's, I guess. That's the fr- I've been a lifelong Lions fan. I'm not sure if I've ever heard that one. <laughs> uh, problem with the Detroit Lions is as soon as we give them all this credit, and, and I think we all, all three of us think they'll probably win the win the North, the very next clip that we'll pull up here as we switch into the Minnesota Vikings is Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson just torching the shit dropping out of his our balls on our forehead. Yeah, this is uh, 
he gets bracket coverage here, right? So he gets jammed. Good luck. He gets right off the jam. Makes a play on the ball here. Breaks a tackle. By the way, he stayed in bounds. You can watch his replay all you want. They call him out of bounds in this game, but uh, he never stepped out of bounds. You'll see it he, from this angle. He's Calvin Johnson, man. Like, he is so freaking good. It is ridiculous how good he is. The release um, is smooth. He's covered, but he makes the play. And, I mean, after the catch, during the routes, releases. It's unbelievable. Watch from this angle. You'll see I, he does not step out of bounds. Now, this did not get overturned in the game. But, but just it's just incredible to watch him play. And we're several of He is just – he's the best in, in the NFL. And he's, I don't he think you can argue it right now. I, I seriously think he's he's wide receiver one in the NFL. And maybe people, like this. Fourth and 18 that. against the Bills, the probably the play of the year. Catch of the year. This, sure. this was the catch of the year for sure. I mean, holy shit. <laughs> Honestly, I, like it, that makes, I feel like Odell's catch was 10 times more famous than this catch. And I think this was a better, harder catch to make than Odell's catch. Cause not only did he have to extend as much as he did to make that, he has a guy actually on him covering him on his body for this catch and he still makes it it's ridiculous plus the, and plus the stakes fourth and 18 you yep. lose the game if you don't get this no no discredit to odell obviously but like this defender gets a hand on it and he still brings it in it's ridiculous I mean, look at look at his team his team's like holy shit you know <laughs> let's see if there's another yeah i mean it's unbelievable it's just ridiculous man and like look i i get the guys that like college more than the nfl i i don't know too many college ball players that can do anything even close to that and that's why we watch the nfl is because it is truly the best of the best of the best at what they do making plays like this and crazy thing is John, he's so to. damn young he's so damn young still. it was this year four for him this is dude i think he's not it's, even 25 years old like no. he, he was doing this at LSU and it, like he just, it didn't, he just translated right into the NFL. He didn't skip a beat. Now this is one of my favorite routes I saw. So you see so many guys oh run my God, with the this. footwork. Yeah. That you see so many guys call, uh, call this a, a uh, screw route, right? Where he goes out and then back in. And so Gilmore's seen it on film a hundred times. Jefferson's beat a bunch of guys on that for touchdowns. So the Vikings call this, this is like a screw or snag jerk, which is everything looks like it's going to be that screw out. He looks like he's going to come back in. And then it's all about deception. And he is king of deception. Him, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, kings of deception. They're true artists at this craft. Um, I, again, former receiver. This is the kind of shit that I would spend years trying to master. Uh, and people don't realize how they make it look so easy. But getting in and out of your breaks like this, the little details of selling it with your eyes and your head, making it look like he's going in. If you just if you put this clip in slow-mo, John, yes, and sir. you pause it before he breaks out, if you've never seen this play before, you do not expect him to do what he's about to do, right? It looks like he's running a slant. DB thinks it. Everyone, on t everyone who's watching the game thinks it. Everyone on the defense thinks it. Everyone on the crowd thinks it. He's not. It's right? just and that's why he gets so wide open and, and why, I mean, what they do down here in the red zone with him, if you try to play him one-on-one, -on -one, good luck. Yep. And so, I mean, you know, the, the Vikings are this, just to like talk 
scheme a little bit and kind of where the Vikings might be headed this year. Like, I think that um, defense is still a huge question mark. I think that the Flores hire was huge for them, and I think he's going to bring some stability there where maybe they're not the worst defensive backfield in all of the NFL. Um, There's still a lot of problem areas there, and I think that is highly contingent on whether or not the Vikings are, you know, second in the division versus being fourth in the division is whether or not their defense can get a little bit more stable because I'll say this much is they're not getting nearly as lucky as they, they were last year. That's just that, that kind of stuff happen. was a fluke. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Exactly. Um, no, um, you're totally right. Their defense is, it's amazing that they won as many games as they did last year with that defense and the issues it had, but obviously it showed itself at the worst possible time home playoff game against a giants team that, to be honest, had questions and uh, you know, they should not have lost that game. And they did right. Defense couldn't, I mean, shit, they, the they looked incredibly fraudulent against the Eagles, obviously, the following week. So, um, right. you know, the fraud beat the fraud, but they're still fraudulent, too. Um, um, one move I, I do think that the Vikings made that I do like is getting Justin Jefferson some help because of the fact lost that... lost Thielen, right? Yep. Lost Thielen. Thielen. They got to have... Now, here's the thing, too. Jordan Addison, on the opposite side of Justin Jefferson, by the way, this is that snag route I was talking about, right? Very similar to the routes you've seen Justin Jefferson just do, right? You see the patience at the, at the line of scrimmage. By the way, this is on a pretty good defender, too. Um, sell the slant. Eyes looking in, ready for the slant, and then the quickness to get out of it. What Jordan Addison is going to see a ton of is favorable one-on-one coverages because you can't double Anderson – it's a lot like Jefferson when he first came in the league. Thielen at the time was wide receiver one in Minnesota, right? No doubt about it, right? Diggs had just left. And Jefferson comes in, and he's getting one-on-one matchups. And what did he do with it? He be- simply just became the highest targeted, best receiver in football, That's highest, great. best receiving yards, <laughs> best touchdowns, uh, best completion percentage when throwing to him. So Jordan Aston's coming into a very favorable situation for himself with a quarterback that that – knows how to help his receivers and work on the chemistry. And you can see the clips where they speak for themselves of what this guy brings to the table. Any guy in college football that does this at two different schools, he did it at Pitt the year before, won the Blitnikoff Award, best receiver in college football, goes to USC, and in his first year at USC, puts up ridiculous numbers and, and puts up film like this. I mean, this is just an absolute dirty double move on a safety. He turns him inside out. Oh, my gosh. It, that's the kind of stuff, though, that they're going to get out of him, and defenses can't prepare for it because they got to focus on JJ. So it's like, what do you do, right? It's, it's going to be really hard for teams that struggle in the secondary in this division, and that's what I think could keep the Vikings atop the division, right, or at least competing for it, is the fact that they have Kirk Cousins throwing to those guys. Now look at this. Kirk Cousins, and you know, by the way, he's featured in the quarterback show that's on Netflix. We'll talk about it at the end uh, of this yeah, episode. I'm excited um, about that. He is one of those guys where it's like he's so similar statistically, honestly, in how his career's gone to like Matt Stafford to me, where he's shows so many great things, but right. he doesn't he doesn't win, right? He might get you one really good regular season, but he he chokes in the playoffs, right? He's got one playoff win, I think, in his career. Um, it, it's I don't, don't know. Play this it's, man at one o'clock. That's, that's play at one o'clock, that's for sure. But I mean, look at the stat, right? I mean, he's the, he's 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 the only quarterback, right, in the last eight seasons to throw over four thousand yards and twenty five plus touchdowns. Only one in the last eight seasons to do that all eight years. It's crazy. It's it's not as easy to uh, to mess with his name as as Stat Padford though. So it's unfortunate. 
Um, because yeah, that, and then obviously I mean, the Vikings losing Delvin Cook is a big deal too. Obviously, that's one of the downfalls. Um, I don't know what you know. Like I said, how do you replace a guy like that? Kind of hard to, but play calling, right? Play calling is going to have to be better. They're going to have to be creative in how they get in positive running situations. Um, and I, I do anticipate them throwing the shit out of the ball because they have weapons to do it with, and they have a quarterback that wants to sling it, and they have a play caller who's a former quarterback. So I do anticipate them slinging it all over the field like they did last year. And listen, they won 13 games in the regular season because of it. They're never out of a game. We saw them have the best comeback in NFL history last year, slinging the ball, right? So they're never out of a game. But I also don't know if you can win the division, especially a division that has good running game, good running football, by throwing it, you know, as much as they do. So we'll see. Yeah, it's – it's one of those teams where I really don't know what to make of it. And and honestly, we're, we're going to get to Green Bay here. And unfortunately, we don't have a whole lot of film to talk about Green Bay with. And it's because other than defensively, like who is returning on offense, right? I mean, they're, they're keeping their, their running, running backs. Yeah. yeah. But, but it is a very fresh, new looking Green Bay team. One that has a lot of characters that we have not seen. Um, and so really all we do have to show about Green Bay is, you know, is Jordan Love going to be able to fill Aaron Rodgers' shoes even a little bit? 70-80% of what Aaron Rodgers was able to do for this team. And also, you know, LaFleur has had the privilege of being able to coach one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history the entire time he's been there. What is it like when that's not the guy at quarterback and all of a sudden you have to get a little bit more creative offensively to maybe open things up? And they got weapons and they've made good investments. Um, so I'm not going as far to say that they don't, I think a lot of people say their roster just straight up sucks. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think there's a shit ton of question marks. Now, what I remember this play very clearly. And I remember a couple plays that he made this game, uh, Jordan love from the one start that he got, you know, in year two or whatever, because Aaron Rodgers was hurt. He looked really rough this game where he came in for Aaron Rodgers, I think for, what two quarters, something like that. It was like roughly half the game. He was in a showing, game, by the way, where Philly rushed for like 350 yards. Yes, he was showing a lot more promise, I think, and definitely like had de- had clearly developed from year two to year three. So, yeah. So Philly here is playing a, a cover two look, right? So the the soft spots in cover two, as we went over in our coverage episode about a month ago is going to be that outside uh, outside of the corner. And then you have to obviously place enough touch on the pass to get there before the safety gets there, right? There's that soft spot right there. And this is an absolutely perfectly thrown football back shoulders. It again, similar to Justin Fields throw that we showed on film where it's, if he does get hit, he's going to get hit in the back and not in the face. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is Aaron Jones, a running back, by the way, that they're asking to do this, which is tough for running backs. But uh, if there's any guy in the league that can do it as a running back, he's one of them. This is a perfectly thrown football. And he recognizes the coverage, throws it on time, and puts it in the perfect spot, and the guy just doesn't make the play. But um, like John said, th- this is the film that we'll show. We don't have – there's plenty of bad film we could show you of Jordan Love. Um, but, again, a lot, of, a lot of new faces. I mean, Christian Watson had a big season last year. How will he do with the new quarterback? They drafted Jaden Reed out of Michigan State, who I, I love that pick. He'll be really good in the slot for them. They're going to lean on their running backs. I mean, you got Lou Nichols, who we had on, a, you know, a couple months ago as a guest. Um, it they're going to lean on their running backs. If they can't run the ball successfully, it's, they're going to struggle. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and you know, like I said, I know we're kind of keeping it short and sweet. Delivered candy live. That's awesome. Honestly, yeah. I, I could oh. use some candy right now. I might Little Mike and Ike's live delivery. Let's go. What family member delivered it? Uh, Tuan, as he was yelling at somebody, like he's just arguing. I don't know if you guys could hear that as I was doing my spiel on the running game, but yeah, he's. I was gonna yell at him when he walked in here, and then he dropped off Mike and us. Tell him to lay off on the juice, man. I know his physique looks great lately, but you know that roid rage will get to you. So you can you can you can text him that, dude. I'm sure he. Oh, I'm man. sure. I'm sure he'll have some kind of terrible comment back to you. <laughs> oh, I'm not trying to stir the pot too much here between yeah, the three we'll brothers. Back. It's we'll it's it's already, already it's already volatile enough between the three of you. Um. All right, so look, same thing as, as last time, except now we got a, an awesome graphic that Drew whipped up. Uh, so Bears, I'm going to say under seven and a half, but I think it's they're going to be right there. I think like seven wins sounds about right for them. Heck, yeah, do you want to go back and I forth agree. or do you want me to run through all of them? We'll go back and forth. I agree okay. with you, though. I think it's seven. seven. I think it's seven or eight wins for the Bears, which I go. I get that's where they're <laughs> over under. So I'll go. I'll go under. Yeah. Um, Packers, I'm going to say over. I think they're going to su surprise some people and probably be closer to like an eight, nine win team. I think they actually have a higher shot than not to finish second in the division. Um, so weirdly enough, like I don't just, I don't like completely disagree with you, but I think I'm going to go under. I just don't, I haven't seen enough out of Jordan Love and the, the importance of the quarter acquisition. It's just too, it's just too big, man. And um, it, not only that, man, they lost Lazard and they lost like, it's just a different feel in Green Bay right now. It's a different I, team. I think the Lions. I think the Lions killed them. I really do. I think they killed them, and they put them down for at least a few years. Yeah, so we'll we'll under. see. I just look. I've seen this before, right? No, there's a guy named Brett Favre that was leaving the team, and everybody acted like it was Lions' time to shine, and it wasn't. So that's what I'm worried about. Again, how history kind of repeats itself with these NFL teams. I'm cognizant of the fact that I don't want to go and say the Packers are dead. I've been abused by this team for my entire life. I'm not ready to just go and say it was that easy of, of, you know, now Kirby Joseph is definitely Aaron Rodgers' father. Don't get me wrong. Like we, that's been established. We kicked him out of green Bay. I'm not sure green Bay itself is dead. So, um, and that's why I kind of have them going the over now for moving on to the Vikings. I think the most fraudulent team in the NFL last year, well, there's a lot of things they did to get better this year. I think that they're maybe an 8-1 team if they're lucky. So I'm going to put them under. So you can say fraudulent all you want. And they were fraudulent. But they won 13 damn games. And, and, and listen, you, do not, you, don't win, you don't win 13 games by accident. I don't care who you are, what your team is, what the situation you is. You do if you get smoked in the first round of the playoffs by another listen, not very good team. They won 13 damn games. They are returning a lot of those guys. They got a better defensive play caller. Um, they got rid of Thielen, brought in a younger receiver. I think it actually works out better for them. Kirk Cousins in year two with the system, I think will take a, another step forward. And um, if they're able to find any sort of running game, the Vikings will definitely finish second or first in this division, I think. I think they have enough weapons around them. Their defense will be better. They won the division handedly. And won 13 games with one of the worst secondaries in football. That's hard to do, man. That is hard to do. They knew how to win games last year. They're going to know how to win games this year. 
I'll, so I'll, I'll give them over. credit where I'm not it's saying due. they're winning 13. Yeah, I, I'm get, I'll give them credit where it's due, but like they're uh, to me all season, like they had 20 and they were still hitting, and somehow they got an ace and they got 21. Like that's that's what I felt like I was watching the Vikings somehow do over and over and over again last season. I just don't think they're going to be that lucky this season. So, you know, sometimes sometimes you create your luck, John. And I think a lot of times they, they I mean, it happened often enough where I don't know if you could call it luck. All right. Um, I, would you consider the Lions one of the unluckiest teams of all time? Because uh, that's absolutely, not- <laughs> absolutely. But they also were cursed. So yeah, and they're give... not cursed anymore. We're not Peyton Manning. Well, lifted we the will curse. see. We will Peyton see. Peyton Manning if lifted that comes the curse. True. We'll see if that comes true. There's a uh, listen. Every time we give all this credit to the Lions, it scares the shit out of me because we are setting up for the biggest heartbreak. I get it. I have PTSD too. I get it. Um, with nine and a half said, is a fair number though. It's a fair I, number. I'm gonna and put I'm them going over, over it. it. Yeah, I'm putting them over it. Yep. I think. Listen, honestly, I learned my I, lesson, John. I think they're a 12 win team next year. I think 12, maybe 13. That's kind of where I put them. Um, I I truly think we can go undefeated at home. So right there, that's eight or nine wins. I don't know what, which one we have more of this year. Um, but I put I'm them at eleven. I put them at eleven or twelve wins. I put them at winning the division, and I put them at winning. I'll give them. I'll give them one playoff game. I'll give them one playoff game. I think. I like and it. I, that's that's where I'm at. Uh, the thing is, though, John, if they do win thirteen games. They could be maybe the top seed in the NFC. And then I mean, the Eagles' schedule is tougher than right. ours. The Niners' schedule is tougher than ours. And I think those are the two main threats, right? That I guess you could say the Seahawks, but their schedule is tougher than ours. And I, I, I don't want to think about that because the, the Lions winning the NFC uh, regular season, I mean, obviously becoming the one seed for the NFC. I don't know. I didn't expect that to see, to see that in my lifetime, honestly. So I don't want to get too excited about it. What is your, John, what is your one through four of this division? My one through four are Lions, Packers, Vikings, Bears, most likely. That's kind of where okay. I put it. So, um, but the thing is, I think it's going to be li- uh, the the Packers, Vikings, Bears, I think are going to be very tight in their win totals. I'm talking like seven to nine wins for all three of them are going to be like right there bunched together. Um, and I think okay. the Lions are going to break ahead by a couple, right? So that's that's kind of how I see this playing out. Because um, I don't think I don't think any of those three teams are objectively shitty, but I also don't think those three teams are objectively good. I think they have a lot of problem areas, and so they're all going to flirt with 500, and that's where they're going to end up. I'm going to go with Lions, um, and I don't think it'll be very close. I think they'll win it by a couple games. Um, I'm going to go with the Vikings, second in the division. I'm going to go with the Bears third, and I'm going to go with the Packers fourth in the division, which and is I think crazy. It's a respectable crazy. back, too. Don't get me wrong. Um, So, look, to, to wrap up the NFC conversation, and then we'll kind of, you know, uh, stop the screen share and talk about some of the, the new and noteworthy stuff going on. Because um, there actually is some NFL news for once, or football news in general, as we are a week away from training camp. Um, The Lions, you know, four jerseys, right? They got their, their icy whites. Got their home jerseys, got their, you know, alternate whites, and then they have their grays. But, you know, I don't know who took this picture. Somebody noticed walking into the office today that those grays were not sitting on that stand. Are we thinking way too far into it that the blacks might be coming back? Yes. Uh, The idea that (laughs) that 
um, when they're supposed to debut their alternate helmets, they come out in the blacks instead of the grays. I, I would cry. I would God, I literally, this is like maybe one of the biggest reaches you've ever had. And I know it's because you want it so bad. I want it so bad. But this is this is crazy talk. It's just a simple uniform Why swap. The maybe, maybe the mannequin was getting fixed, dude. You know, I don't know. Yeah, what? Did somebody anything. tackle the mannequin? Maybe. Maybe someone okay. vandalized it. I don't know. But there's no way in hell that that this isn't just a coincidence, you know. If you're right and you're in this, and we go back and we'll we'll clip this, and if we're if you are right, we will clip this and be like, hey, John called it. But I'm calling it right now that this is just a simple reach, and that they're probably just cleaning the uniform or maybe swishing up the socks or the cleats on it. I don't know. Hey man, ACDC, back in black. That's what I want to see. I, I, I would love to see that too. I agree with you. But to say that that's what's going to happen or that you think that this is why there's a mannequin missing. Maybe there's a mannequin thief on the loose in Detroit. I don't know. Can you just let me have something for once? Like, there's some sick freaks out there that would take it, a mannequin and do dirty things to it. Look, you know? man, but, all, all I'm trying to say is that you've made some mistakes about doubting my lion's takes in the past. And this might be the greatest different. reach of all of them. Yeah. Saying that we're going to bring back our, our uniforms. But also... Can't think of a better surprise than that. So that's what I'm hoping yeah, happens. It would be great. It would be great. Um, um let's get into like actual good news. Actual news. Hard knocks. Hard knocks. Hey, we got what we wanted of the three teams that I mean, maybe not you. I know you want to see the Saints a little bit, but no, I, I'm, Jets, I'm totally cool with the Jets. I think that it's gonna be gonna incredibly be interesting. I'm curious to see how Aaron Rodgers reacts to not only New York media all over him. But also now he has NFL cameras all over him. And not only that, but he can't hide from those under any circumstances. And he, we are going to see more Aaron Rodgers in a team practice setting than we ever have before. Ever have. It's going to be really interesting. I'm very personally very excited for it. Also, here's man, what the I, lighting he, sucks for me right now. I'm sorry. Um, go ahead. Here's what I think is going to happen. All right. Um, he came to New York because he wants to be he, most of his career anti-spotlight, anti-media, anti-being selfish. Like he just was out of it, right? Towards the end of these last few years, he's been all about poking fun at the media, uh, giving him giving him enough fuel to be headlines, right? Goes to New York of all places. Like I think he's going to Knicks games, sitting courtside. He wants the spotlight, right? He wants his he wants his flowers. He's getting them with hard knocks. He's gonna get all cameras on him, like you said. We're so gonna. Think we're he gonna was celebrating when this news broke. Like you think he was like, sure all right, he was, let's go. For sure, he was happy about this, right? And uh, here's the thing: I think America is either gonna fall in love with Aaron Rodgers during this hard knocks thing, or we're gonna hate him. Because I think you're gonna see how he interacts with his team, and I personally think people are gonna realize that he's not as bad as people are making him out to be as a teammate and as a person. Um, but I think we're going to enjoy it. All the storylines and hard knocks. I mean, you have Sauce Gardner who loves the camera, loves himself, loves to just be the center of attention, right? You have Conklin, former guest. You know, he's a character with with CJ Uzama and all these other guys that they have. I mean, that clearly have fun. We talked about when we had him on as a guest. They have fun playing. Brees Hall coming back from injury. You have Garrett Wilson. You know, Alan Lazard. It's a fun cast, man. It's, it's a, a fun it's cast. A fun you have cast. a you have a you have a coach that. I think is more kind of reserved and, and conservative and how he does very likable, but very likable. And we're going to yeah. see how he carries himself and how that works. Right. Cause he's a different character than Dan Campbell was. He's not going to have as many one liners 
as Campbell had, but he's, he's, he's a strong, smart coach and we're going to see, you know, what he's about. You can have the Zach Wilson, right? How he interacts with Aaron Rodgers. Like there's a lot of cool storylines that this Jets team has. I'm very um, excited for it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, I'm happy. That's who they rolled with. And obviously the Jets organization, they probably fought him on it, but Hey man, that's, I'm stoked that it's happening. Um, the other thing to talk about in reference to docu-series football stuff is Netflix's new quarterback series. And so, Mark, it sounds like he's seen a couple episodes already. I haven't yet. Um, I'm going to watch them uh, with Hannah tonight. Um, but what's your first takeaway from it, Mark? Like, do, do you feel like it's something that is new and, you know, refreshing? It's- and how do they kind of manage, you know, Mahomes – top tier quarterback versus cousins kind of mid tier quarterback versus Mariota. Who's, you know, kind of fighting for his life to even stay in the league right now. Dude, it's actually really, really well done so far from what I've seen. Um, they really gave them full access. We're talking, you know, their personal lives, their home lives, training room lives. I mean, we, had, there's, there's footage of Kirk cousins talking to their team psychologist and you get to kind of hear what he's breaking down and how he's feeling and stuff like it's, it's full in. Right. So you see that and it's cool and it has that hard knocks feel to it, but it's specific just to three players that we all recognize. Right. And like you said, it is top tier, middle tier and bottom tier quarterbacks. I actually kind of like it that way because yeah. you can kind of see the difference of their lifestyles. Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl champion, league MVP. You see how he interacts, how he leads, how he plays, how he talks during the games because they're all they're I mean, they're mic'd up and stuff. Then Kirk Cousins. Right. Much more humble. Right. Um, the media portrays him differently you kind of see how he actually is with his team the leadership that he has and then you have Mariota who obviously struggled but you can kind of see what each of those three guys did in the in the going into the season and and I only saw through like the first quarter of the season um but they they kind of show in each episode um like the first three games for Kansas City it kind of talks about Mahomes and it switches to the first three games with Kirk then the first three with Mariota and how for each each and kind of week four, week five, back up to Mahomes, back to Kirk, back, you know. So it's it's really cool how they do it. And it's basically hard knocks specific to just three really recognizable players that we all have watched for several years. And um, it's really well done. I think you're going to like it. I think it's here to stay. I'm I think excited. you might see bigger names. I can't believe they got Mahomes on it, someone as big as Mahomes on it. Um, but It'd be fun if they did it, you know, with maybe even different positions too, right? That like, too, yeah. Um, I'd, I'd be interested to see that as well. Um, I think like Peyton Manning's an executive producer, so he's in it. Oh, yeah, it's it's, the, it's an Omaha uh, production, yeah. I believe, which is so very it's got cool. Like, you know, it's got like um, he's talking about the quarterback position, why it's the hardest in sports, and it, it just awesome footage, you know, stuff that, you know, most people haven't seen before, and – it's awesome. If you if you if you didn't play big time football, college or pro football, and you're a fan, it, it's a must watch because you see inside of like what it's like, you know. And, and you, you, if it's you, enjoyable for somebody that maybe isn't even like you know huge into football or like I think know, so, dude. I think so. I think like I, I anytime like Hard Knocks was airing and I was with people that aren't even football fans, I would try to have them watch it because I'm like, you guys will understand. Like if I'm with a bunch of girls. They're like, oh, we don't care about football. I'll be like, just watch like an episode of Hard Knocks and tell me this isn't interesting to you. Like it shows they're they're these are people. Like yeah. they're funny. They do funny shit. They have the coaches are crazy. Uh like they're what their life is is very interesting. And there's a reason football is king in America. Like it's not just because the sport itself is cool. Like there's so many other things. Like it's a beautiful 
beautiful game. The relationships, you know, between teammates and coaches and fans, it's like it's super cool to see. And this this docuseries quarterback is awesome. I'm going to watch more of it tonight. I know you're going to start it. Um, It's awesome, dude. I, I really do like it. I'm excited. Um, and then the, the last topic that we want to hit before wrapping up tonight is uh, Northwestern's coach, Pat Fitzgerald, getting let go on what I understand as being complicit in hazing. But frankly, I don't know anything more detail-wise besides that. I don't know, Mark, if you kind of want to explain what the allegations are as to why he was let go or anything like that, if you have any more detail around it than yeah, I Yeah, I mean, it's all – it's all speculation and stuff. And unfortunately in today's world, like you can, you can, you can lose everything you've ever worked for over speculation. I don't know how much proof they have of any of it happening. Um, and again, this sets a bad precedent because if it isn't as extreme or it isn't true at all, this is really, really bad. Cause he was, I mean, he is Northwestern played there legend as a player. He's coached there for a very long time. He gets more out of that program's not great. Right. And he gets more out of those guys than anyone else would. But, um, the allegations essentially are, you know, sexual harassment in the locker room. So, you know, forcing guys to like, you know, touch each other or walk past each other. At, you know, it was like kind of like a um, introduction into the locker room. Those like younger freshmen did maybe make walk between a couple bigger linemen that are older. Just, just weird stuff like that in the showers and like, you know, I don't know, just like locker room shit um, that obviously went too far. And I think it was a couple former players that didn't really like what happens in their in their time at Northwestern that came out and basically said this was happening. And then a couple other players piled on, right, when it's going south, when it rains, it pours. A couple other players piled on from like 07, 08 that said that there was racist allegations that had happened in their time there. So, I mean, you see you see blood in the water, you go for the kill. And that's kind of what happened, unfortunately, Pat Fitzgerald and Again, if all of the allegations are true, absolutely deserves to be fired. But I don't know of any proof. I haven't seen any proof. And the, the fact that you can lose everything you worked for over an allegation, I hope they had proof to fire him. You know? If yeah, not, I mean, I, I think huge. with him being a staple and with, I mean, the thing is, is like, that shit, I think, especially, you know, the more we've matured as a society, especially when it comes to how college coaches or football, you know, managers or anything have interacted with not only players but have used unfortunately the sport of football to do a lot of shitty things uh looking at penn state in this particular example right like you got to take that shit seriously and if the allegations were greater than one right i think that northwestern probably was pretty thorough in their review of the entire situation and probably tried to get down to the bottom of it very quick so now there there was an assistant coach that came out a couple days ago that said none of this is true no sure like and I don't, I don't like, it's too late. He's gone. He's fired. Right. Um, but again, like if you can't prove that it did happen, I don't like, again, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't fire him unless I know it happened. Right. Right. Or, it's just, it's tough. Right. And the, the question becomes, is anybody untouchable in college football as a coach? I mean, if this happened at Alabama, would Nick Saban be fired? Yeah. Would Dabo Sweeney be fired? Like some of these guys are legends. Right. And you're never going to find a better coach than Nick Saban at Alabama. So like, where is the it, it, Pat Fitzgerald was one of the most untouchable coach. He was never going to get fired. He had a lifetime deal with Northwestern, barring anything like this. He was never going to get fired for having bad seasons. He's had plenty of bad seasons there. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of why I think like there has to be something at least somewhat concrete for this to happen, especially. And again, like it might not even be that he was directly involved. He could just be complicit in the sense that he was aware it was going on and didn't do shit about it. And in this day and age, 
if you're the figurehead for an organization, that's the type of stuff you have to respond to. And I mean, you know, you see that all over the place, not just in, in football per se, but like in business, right? You get, yeah. you know, CEOs where people are committing fraud or sexual harassment on a regular basis and they, they know about it and they walk just because they know about it, not because they did right. anything. So, you know, if you're, if you're the leader of an organization, you're a figurehead of an organization, like you got to make sure that you're running shit tip top. Right. And so you want to, you want to hear what some of the, like the specific things they were doing were, I mean, they're not on, like, honestly, honestly, I'd rather not, frankly, like, I don't, yeah. I don't think it's worth getting into on the show and all that, but that's it's, just my two cents on it. So there, if anyone wants to hear it um, again, I, none of it, I don't know if it's true or not, but um, you can do quick search and you can see what they're being accused of. Um, sure. It's, I mean, it's just silly, like just stupid stuff, but it's, if it happened, it's absolutely worthy of being fired and it's no place for that in any college locker room. And, you know, you want a safe environment when you go to college to play college football, right? Like you right. don't want to walk into any, any hazing um, situation is just terrible. So, um, but I, honestly, we probably should have saved this for the beginning of the episode or the first off news topic because now I feel like we just crushed it with this episode. Had a lot of fun stuff, <laughs> dude. Like, I mean, it's like oh, this guy got fired for doing a bunch of shitty shit in football. But anyway, hey, bad things happen in in, in the media and in, in sports too. We we we're not gonna just pick and choose all the good stuff. Right? It, it is our job to talk about shit, even if it's shitty shit. So um, it happened. Yeah. It's 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 news. It has to be talked about. Um, but yeah, this episode's got a lot of light stuff as well. Definitely. If um, you, I want to hear what excited. people think too. I mean, on these on the NFC North, right? Like, this is one of those divisions where everyone's got their opinion. No one really knows what's going to happen. This is the first time in I think our lifetime Lions are favored to win the division going into a yeah. season. Hey, let's go Leos, right? Go Leos, let's go Leos. as as said, rep in Detroit. Um. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see what happens. Who you want? Who you want to cover next week? I don't think we've even talked about it. So you know, right on air right now. I would say, uh, why the hell would we not do the Jets, Dolphins, Bills, and Patriots? I was literally going to say AFC East. Yeah, I think I think that makes the most sense. So we will see you guys next week as we uh, get in the shed, start doing our film research for the AFC East. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We will see you guys next week. Peace. Love you guys.